We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back packers fans to the pack a day podcast happy weekend your saturday crew is here i am jason perona of the pack a day podcast game on wisconsin and the quick slides podcast along with mark eckel of packer report and Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, and the Packers Unrestricted Podcast. Gentlemen, we are halfway through the summer, which means it is hot outside. But as always, and we've got an audience to cater to, we've got to talk about the weather. So before we jump into our own weather, really cool. We got a tweet from Scott Cameron all the way in Scotland. Sent us a nice <laughs> video with the weather update. I thought the, the background was very cool. Some sights from Scotland just kind of makes you realize how young and infant the United States of America are when you see some of these older buildings and structures from across the pond. But really nice video there. Thank you so much, Scott. I know that he is listening to us. And we also got another uh, tweet from the European area nations. We got one from Oslo. Robin Erickson says the local temperature, which was about a 45-minute drive southeast of Oslo, hit 29 Celsius. If anybody wants to do the math, I'll let you guys do that. In fact, I'll just. No, I want you to do that, Jason. I don't know that. I don't know, I don't know how to do that. Kick it what over to uh, 29 Celsius says it's 84.2 degrees Fahrenheit. That's nice weather. That is nice weather. What's going on on the East Coast, Mark? It's uh, somewhat not full hurricane season, but what's happening on the East Coast? Not a hurricane came and went. It was, it was nothing. We're about, to, we're about 29 Celsius. <laughs> okay. Now that I know, now that I know what that what that equals, yeah, it's, it's been nice, sunny, um, a couple of partly cloudy days, but you know, overall, I've been on the beach, so that's that's what, that's all that really matters. Well, right, because you will, you know, everyone's going to start. Someone's going to start looking for you if you're not on the beach. Uh, well, they, well, that exactly. You're right. When <laughs> it's funny that you say that, um, you know, I I live in a in a high rise there's three towers whatever but so but you, you get to know the people that live here year round which i'm one of only like 50 of us or so that live year round out of like 500 and some units um but you get to know the people that that live here obviously because we see each other all all year round so a couple of days in a row I, I didn't go to i mean i just had some things to do whatever some stories to write or i just i wasn't on the beach like 
two days in a row. And I went back out the next day, and everyone was like, oh, thank God. We, we, we didn't know if you were sick. We didn't know what. I'm like, I just, no, I just took a couple days to do other things. Like, but they're actually worried about me. <laughs> so, yeah, right. I'm fine. <laughs> You're doing well. Well, you got to be the life of the party somewhere else sometimes, it's, it's, according to what. You know, exactly. You can't, you know, you can't go every day. So if we're talking faster on this show, it's because Mark has somewhere to be. So <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, we're good. We're good. We got a good show for us. And All right. Well, for our Scandinavian friends, Scandinavian friends and our friends in Scotland. Yeah. And let's kick it over to what I refer to as the scene of the crime, because I'm a Phoenix Suns fan. <laughs> the great state of Wisconsin and Green Bay, Wisconsin locale. Paul Brettel, what's going on in the summertime over there? How is Green Bay looking? We had some storms roll through this week, but they weren't as strong as the weathermen had built it up to be. And that seems to be pretty typical, at least in Green Bay. I think just being on the water, uh, maybe a little cooler. Storms are never as strong. But today, Saturday, 85, sunny. It's beautiful. There you go. Very, very nice. And no surprise here in the Phoenix locale. It's about 100 degrees and about 38 degrees Celsius. And uh, But we have had some monsoon and some storms come through, some dust storms. Uh, Mark, you asked about sandstorms. It's not quite, yeah. quite the Star Wars not version that. of a sandstorm, but <laughs> we have gotten some, some dusty stuff blowing around. We actually like the, the rain when it comes around because it is so dusty in the Phoenix area that when it rains, it kind of clears everything out, and you can actually see in the distance and see the mountains, and it's nice, so... Hot and sunny in the Phoenix area. No surprise there at all. Let's just get the big elephant in the room out of the way here. Since I know that most of our audience are Packers fans, I just want to congratulate the Milwaukee Bucks for coming back, making a series out of the NBA Finals, winning the two games at home like they should have, won the first one very convincingly. And we got a series. So it's a three-game series essentially kicking it back to – Phoenix, and that game is actually tonight. So I'm glad we're recording before the game and not after. Otherwise, <laughs> I might be a little bit more somber, according to the way I well, feel that things are going. Hey, hey, as as a very um, objective person on this, because I I don't I don't I, I I guess put a gun to my head. I I'm rooting for the Bucks, but uh, you would have to put the gun to my head because I I don't I don't <laughs> dislike either team. I'm, I don't really root for either team. I'm I I want the Bucks win only because. Before the season started, somebody said to me, who do you think is going to win the NBA this year? And I said, I think Milwaukee might. So, you know, I would look smart if Milwaukee won, I guess, <laughs> um, which doesn't always happen. Uh, but as a totally objective person, I mean, it's not a series to, a home, to the home team loses, right? The home mm-hmm. team hasn't lost That's what they say. I mean, I, I guess. I'm like, I, I know Phoenix fans are down. Oh, my God, we had them 2-0, 2-2. Well, they won it, you won at home and they won at home. If you keep winning at home, Phoenix is going to win a series. Yep. I won't be surprised if it goes seven games. I'll just say this. I tweeted it out earlier today, and guys, I know we're on, on a time crunch and it's not a basketball show, but this okay. is a special occasion where you've got two two teams that haven't been in the finals in a long time, and they're both quieting all the critics who talk about no super team in the finals and how it's not going to be as exciting. It could not. I don't think these four games could have been any better so far, and I think the rest of the series is only going to top what we've already seen. But I'll just say this. The Bucks have been on the doorstep for the past two seasons. They kind of got derailed last year with COVID, as so did many other teams. But I honestly think Milwaukee was was destined to be in the represent the East of the finals, and it just didn't work out when they went into the bubble. And then this season, here they are. Finally, they make the finals, and they're, they have figured it out. They've made adjustments. Giannis is absolutely playing like an MVP. He's, he's in the conversation now for one, the best in the game. I mean, how do you how can you argue that he's at least in the conversation? You might not agree that he is, but he's been so good, and it just seems like he's able to will this team 
to do whatever it is that he wants to do and whatever he he needs to do, they just go and take it. So as a Suns fan, I'm definitely I definitely see the Suns on their heels a little bit, and I'll be really interested to see how they come out once they come back at home on Saturday. Paul, I should probably give you at least a minute or two to (laughs) rebut if you want to rebut what you've seen. You've got to be on a high, though. The Bucs have won two in a row. I absolutely am. The one thing I'll say is the big thing that I'm just focusing on is enjoying every single moment of this, even the losses. Uh, The Bucs have been close in the past to getting to this point, 2019. They didn't. And then as a Packers fan, back when the Green Bay won the Super Bowl with Rodgers, you know, I was 19 at the time, would have bet a lot of money, everything I had, which wasn't much, uh, that they would have been back by this time, and they haven't. And while the Bucks still have their core under contract for the coming years, we don't know whether they'll be back or not. So big thing I'm just trying to do is just enjoy every moment of this because it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a great that's a great approach to take, and that's a good lesson for Packers fans. It's painful, and pain, they've painfully not gotten to the Super Bowl because there's been a couple times where I think they should have. So I guess that's what we should talk about is the Green Bay Packers because this is a Green Bay Packers show. So last week, Paul, you took us through some of your – I thought thought this was a weather show. It is a weather show (laughs) first. And then – They come for the weather and they they hang around here. Hang around for the football talk. Well, last week, Paul guided us through his top questions on offense for the Green Bay Packers. This week, we're kicking it over to the defensive side of the ball. So, Paul, without any further ado, the mic is yours. Thank you, Jason. Let's dive in with cornerback. So the basis of these questions are focused around training camp, preseason, you know, who's going to emerge during that time frame. So Jair Alexander's cornerback one, but there's big discussion, a battle, camp battle is going to take place for cornerback two between Kevin King and Eric Stokes. And the cornerback two, cornerback three uh, slogan or whatever the correct verbiage is, is a little you know, misrepresentative of how it's going to happen just because if King's cornerback too, it's not going to be an Eric Stokes is on the sidelines. Both are going to see playing time, but I guess the answer or the question that I'll ask each of you is who do you think is going to take the most snaps come week one, Kevin King or Eric Stokes? Jason, we'll start with you. Who coming right out of the gate. Hot. Um, I, I mean, if we're talking about week one, I'm going to go with Kevin King only because we're, if we're talking about the, the first week, I mean, by the end of the season, the answer, I think my answer will change. I hope the answer changes, honestly. But I think Kevin King will be that guy in the in week one, unless there's an injury. And then it's hopefully Stokes is ready. But I think you bring him along slowly. Corner's one of those positions. And I don't know, Mark, you may correct me if I'm wrong when you're giving your take on this. But corner's one of those positions where it's it's a tough transition from college to the NFL. There's just the speed of the game. The offenses are different. The skill sets of the receivers. You've seen Devontae Adams, the number one wide receiver in the NFL, by the way, as voted by coaches and players, I believe, in some way, shape, or form. You guys can correct me on that if I'm wrong. But the footwork is phenomenal. These are pros. They're getting paid to do it. It's their job. It's their livelihood. The competition level is really high. So as much as Kevin King has drawn the ire of some fans for some of his play over the years and the injuries and some of that history that he has, he's still the safest bet at op, at corner opposite Jair or whoever's going to play the other outside spot if they're going to move Jair around. And then that's going to create other questions. So if it's, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of taking the cheap and easy way out to in, in answering your question very literally, Paul, but I just, I don't see any way that you throw Stokes out there unless he just lights the world on fire in training camp, in which case 
there's probably been a lot of Twitter refreshing going on, as Mark uh, loves to remind us about. Uh, and uh, during training camp with the reports from the beat writers that he's just tearing the world up. And that would be great. I just don't necessarily see it happening at one of the premier positions in the NFL. How about you, Mark? We know how much you love Eric Stokes. Yes, I'm the pre- – yeah, you know, you're right. I do. Since I mean, you worded it in week one, and I have to agree with Jason that, yeah, I mean, <sighs> I'm, I'm going to begrudgingly say that, yes, Kevin King will get more not, – not a lot more, but he'll get more snaps uh, week one than Eric Stokes will. Now, if you would have said the first month of the mm-hmm. season – or up until the bye week, or whatever for the length. Yeah, I, I mean, it's only a matter, in my opinion, and I could be wrong. And I think I hope I am wrong because that means King's playing really well. But I think it's only a matter of time before Eric Stokes unseats Kevin King as cornerback too. Um, I mean, I again, I'm a big Stokes fan. Uh, I think he's a. I, I, I mean, that speed is is unquestioned. Um, but I also think he's you know he he's around the ball. He makes plays. Um, I just I really like the guy. I thought it was a great pick. Now I, again, we we talked, and this, I don't want to give away give away another question, maybe, but we have talked in the past about how I think Joe Barry is going to find a way to get uh, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and Rashawn Gary all on the field at the same time. But I think he'll also find a way if King is playing at his best, which is when he, when he's at his best, he's he's, he's pretty darn good. And if Stokes is what I think he is, and obviously what the Packers think he is, because they took him in the first round, and of course you have Alexander. If I think he'll find a way to get all three of those those guys on the field at the same time as well, whether it's making Alexander the quote unquote star position or um, what I mean, you want your best players on the field, and I think I think both King and Stokes are two of the Packers' best eleven players, so. Somehow, some way, I think they're, they're all three are going to play. Um, but the answer your question the way it was asked, week one, I'm going to say King will give, have a few more snaps than Stokes. I agree with both of you on that, just for the really the experience that uh, Kevin King has over Stokes. And I know we all remember the NFC Championship game, but that's not how Kevin King's career has gone in Green Bay. There's been plenty of good moments as well. And as we talked about last week, I believe – under Brian Gudikins, he if he has the opportunity to, he likes to be able to bring rookies along slowly. Uh, twenty eighteen, when Jair popped into the league, you know those those first few weeks, he was still on the field a good amount, sixty seventy percent of the snaps. But it wasn't until he came back from injury week seven, week eight, whenever that was, that he was on the field for a hundred percent of them. They were still leaning a little bit more on Tremont Williams, Devon House at this time. So I tend to think we'll see a similar. Uh, approach with Eric Stokes. But like any of these questions, anything that we're discussing, training camp preseason, it's going to be a litmus test and the the ultimate decision maker because performance is king. All right, next question. We move to the interior defensive line. So we've talked about it on here. TJ Slayton, I think we're all big fans of that selection and what that could mean for this defensive defensive front, particularly Kenny Clark, or wrote about it over at Chiefs at TV as well recently. But under Mike Patton, Kenny Clark played a majority of his snaps at nose tackle. And basically the reason was because he was the only one who could do so. Uh, The nose tackle is a position that 
It's there to occupy space, take on double teams, and really their presence is typically felt by their teammates more than what you see in the stat sheet. However, Clark is a different animal, and he still put up sacks, pressures, because he's just that good. Hopefully, my hope anyways, and I'm sure everyone else's addition to TJ Slayton will allow Clark to move outside to that four-tech in Joe Barry's defense, give him more one-on-one opportunities. But that's also reliant on TJ Slayton, who is a fifth-round rookie, uh, being someone that they can rely on in that role, or someone like Tyler Lancaster stepping up and getting more snaps there. So as the season, or I guess early on, or as the season progresses, Mark, do you see Kenny Clark taking on a larger role playing, or a different role, I should say, playing more outside? Or do you think because of who else is still on the defensive line, you know, for that nose tackle position specifically, which is a lot of unknown, Slayton, uh, Lancaster, Lowry, do you think he's still going to end up at the nose just because that's basically what they have to do? I think, well, I don't want to hedge, but a little bit of both. I think I don't think I don't think he will never play the nose again. I mean, they'll, right. they'll be down in distance where he, he's on the nose. But no, I think without a doubt, the plan is to move him around to to create mismatches for him um, to to get him where he's not double teamed, um, and then walk out because like I you know we you guys know I mean when we had our thing a couple weeks ago on who our favorite Packers are. You know, Kenny Clark's my favorite current Packer. And I just think he's so good and so underrated. And what? I mean, if Joe Barry uses him the way I, I'm, I've i read and, and think he's going to use him, you're going to see big numbers from, from Kenny Clark. He's I'm not going to say he's Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald's kind of in a league of his own right right now when it comes to the defensive linemen. Um, but that's what Joe Barry's going to want Kenny Clark to be, his Aaron Donald, where he'll move him, he'll find places for him. Um, and I think, I think that's why they drafted TJ Slayton. Obviously, um, they they want, you know, it is tough on a rookie, but you're not going to ask Slayton to be, you know, a star by any means, or to, or to even, you know, just go out there and be a big big guy, take up some room, take up some blockers, you know, be that that traffic cop, uh, uh, you know. And I think he, I think he'll be fine at that. And Lancaster, see, I thought Lancaster was was also was misplaced as a as an end in the three, four, which he, which he's done the last couple of years, he's a nose tackle. That's what he was too. I mean, so I think I, I hope, um, between Slayton and Lancaster, they can fill that nose tackle role. And then you can move Clark around you. And then you, you know, Lowry does what he does. And then you have Kiki as well. Um, I wrote a story last week saying that, you know, this defensive line is better than you think. And that's mm-hmm. all the reasons why. Um, yeah. So to answer the original question, yes. I, I don't think Kenny Clark will never play nose tackle again. I think he'll, he'll get some snaps at nose tackle. But no, I definitely think he's going to be utilized in a lot of different um, roles. And again, against different teams, I think I think it'll be it will determine on the opposition. If the opposition's weakest player is, is the center, then by all means, line line Kenny up over the center and let him dominate. But if but if, they, if the team has a good center. Put him up, you know. Put him over the left guard or the right guard, wherever the weakness is, and and let him just go wild. Jason, feel free to answer that question as well, but with a little bit more holistic approach. What are your expectations in general for the defensive front? So that's that's kind of where I was going to go with it because I think what's going to happen with Kenny Clark is going to also depend on the productivity and the health of the guys up front with him. So I I mean you can't ever necessarily 
know if an injury is going to happen. You can plan for it, but you never know if one's going to happen. And so if you've got a deficiency up front, if, for example, if Kingsley Kiki isn't able to play more in the middle uh, or next to Kenny Clark, then Clark may have to be where he's at. And he may have to stay more stationary throughout the game. But these comparisons to what Aaron Donald does, and, and I caution against that because Donald is a very, very special and unique talent up front. I, I think they're both considered defensive tackles, but I still have a hard time comparing the two of them because they're just such different types of players. But I, you got to put if, if you're if you're a team that just went 13 and three two years in a row, you're on the doorstep of a championship appearance and you're literally, you know, trying to make any tweak that you can to get, to make your team better, you have to do this. You have to move Kenny Clark around. You have to try to put players in the best position to make plays and succeed. I like what Mark said. Take advantage of the weaknesses across from them. I am hoping that, I mean, Kenny Clark's going to make plays, but if you want him to have a phenomenal season that we talk about for a long, long time, then we have to hope for a healthy Kingsley Kiki and Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster doing his part, those three playing the appropriate number of snaps, as I've said several times, not playing too many snaps. And then Slayton, as a rookie, mid-round pick, he's easy to get excited about because he's got great size. We just don't know how he's going to pan out and if he's going to play much. I've, we've, I've been burned before getting too excited about a rookie, and then they get buried on the depth chart or they're inactive on game day. So I think that's a, that's a perfect way to phrase it, Paul, is what's the expectation my expectation is Kenny Clark is going to show up and he's going to ball out every week that he possibly can. We got a real gem in him because he's dedicated to the team. He works hard. He wants to be great. And he's bought into the culture of this defense and trying to make it a championship level defense. Now everyone else just around him just needs to, you know, it's another basketball parallel. You know, if Giannis throws down 42 like he did in game two, but no one else is shooting the ball well, it's not going to be the same result as it's been the last couple games Mm -hmm. when he's been able to put those numbers up. So if everyone else can do their part, I think Kenny Clark is is primed to be a huge part of it. And I want him motivated. I want these guys hungry. I want guys like Clark, Jair uh, on the defense. Savage is that guy, Amos now too, that have, King, that have been, it's so close enough that they, they, they're like, look, we just we have to have the want to inside of us now and we have to come out fired up and we've got to be ready to do it. And we have to be ready to go on every single snap. No taking plays off. You know, this isn't the Randy Moss thing where we're so great and elite that we can take some plays off and still put up great numbers and help our team win. I, I just the, the greater part of the whole is going to make everybody better when you have an elite talent like Kenny Clark. If the greater part of the whole is really good. Kenny Clark's going to stand out. We're going to be talking about him a lot in the, in what he did in 2021 when it's over. For sure. And also be interesting to see as well how often we see, I think, Mark, you mentioned this already, the Smiths and Gary on the field as well at the same time because yeah. obviously that's going to change the defensive alignment as well. I was All right. Say, yeah, if, if, if you have Zadarius and or Gary putting their hand on the ground in a four-man you know, four front, that's going to do different things. That's going to you know, Kenny, that changes his position a little bit, but it, it also give the other guys, as Jason pointed out, you, you don't want those guys out there too much. I think that's what happens sometimes. You overplay a Dean Lowry or you overplay a Tyler Lancaster. Sometimes you get better results from less snaps because they're, you know, you, you, you get worn out a little bit. So I, again, I wrote it and I, I believe it. I think this Packer def- defensive line is better than a lot of people think. 
I was going to bounce to corner back to cornerback, but we'll stay along the defensive front since we kind of are discussing it already in the edge rusher position. So something that hasn't been discussed about very much this offseason, I find really intriguing, is going to be the uh, snap count between Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and how they balance that. Um, you know, last year, and I know Gary missed some time, but by snap count, uh, Preston Smith pretty much doubled what Gary did in terms of playing time last year. However, as you all know, pressures, sacks, Gary was by far the more impactful, efficient pass rusher than what Preston Smith was. And I even went back and looked at like individual games, you know, as the season progressed and we saw that Smith was struggling and Gary was ascending, did their snap counts really change? And they didn't for the most part, even by week 17, the end of the year, Preston Smith was still on the field for basically most of the defensive snaps, 60, 70 of them. Rashawn Gary was in the 40 ish range or so. So, Rewind to this past offseason, we thought Preston Smith was going to be cut. Rashawn Gary would have stepped into edge rusher two role. So I think it's a really interesting question what that balance is going to end up being like. And we've already talked about the three of them will share the field um, as well this season, just as they did under Mike Penn. Will it be more? Will it be less? How will Barry utilize it? That's another one of those questions out there. But And we aren't going to have the answer to this, obviously. I know this is focused on training camp, but this is something we're not going to know until we get a month, two months into the season. But Mark, do you have any sort of guess thoughts on how Barry might go about? We know Zadarius is going to see his fair share of snaps as he should, but how they're going to go about dividing that time between Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Cause you don't Rashawn Gary's earned his playing time. He's entering year three, a big year seems poised for another step forward. You don't want to stunt that growth and keep him on the, you know, on the field for 35, 40 snaps when he could be out there for 50, 60. So how do you envision that playing out? I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think Gary will get, um, I don't want to put a number on it, but right. I think, I think Zendarius obviously will get the most snaps of the outside rushers. And I think Gary will get second. Preston will get third. Um, but I, like I said before, I think, you know, is it, you don't want Zadarius playing, you know, 98% of the snaps either. So there'll be times when he gets, a, you know, a series off just because, you, you know, give him a little break. And then you can have Preston and, and Gary both out there. So that'll, that, that'll get, him, get both of them a little more snaps. And then, again, I think there'll be times when you put their hand on the ground with either Gary and Zadarius or one or the two, and, and Preston will be out there. So to answer your – I mean, I'm, I'm beating around the bush a little bit, but I just think they'll all – I think – I think in order of snap counts, it'll be Zadarius, Gary, Preston. Um, but I think they'll all be out there more. Than, I think all three might get more than 50% of the snaps, though. I really do. I think, like I, like I said before, you want your best players on the field. I don't think the Packers have a better 11 players better than, than Preston Smith. So, And again, a lot that determines, a lot will be determined on how the game's going. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if if the if a team if the Packers have the lead and the other team has to throw, well, yeah, they're all three are going to be out there because they, you want your best pass rushers out there. So you'll have an extra D back. Your linebackers won't be out there. You'll you'll have pass rushers and you'll have D backs because it's because you're up twenty one to three in the third quarter or whatever. Hopefully, um, so that will now if, it, if it's a, if it's not that kind of game, then then it changes some things a little bit. Maybe you you know if it's if you're losing or and, and the team's going to run the ball more, then you're going to go with more run stoppers. So 
but a perfect, you know, I, you know, the Packers. This is a good team. Let's let's be honest. I don't care what anybody says. This, I, I think they're just as good as last year, maybe better even, depending on how things sh- shake out. But um, getting back to your original point, I gave you the, the, the order, but I think all three will play a lot. I think the, the bottom line. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. How about you, Jason? What are your expectations? Well, I'll put a little different spin on the answer and just say that I would love by the end of the season. Now, I don't want it to be because Darius Smith is falling out or, or or falling off, I should say, or there's an issue with effort, which there isn't with Darius Smith. But wouldn't it be perfect and awesome if Rashawn Gary is the guy? That's getting the most snaps because he's the torch is kind of passed. He's, I mean, he's working his tail off right now, and that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean he's going to have a great season. But for the twelfth overall pick, who had many of us, I don't know if either the two of you were scratching our heads when that pick was made a couple of years ago to become the guy after after the two the last two seasons that Zadarius Smith has had. Now he wasn't as as good in 20 as they he was in 19. Neither was Preston Smith. They both had a phenomenal 2019. But for for Rashawn Gary to to overtake him and be the man as the pass rusher and be the future of the pass rush, that would be awesome. That's what I kind of hope happens. But you have to assume that Zadarius is going to get the bulk of those snaps. And I, I, as long as we don't see Preston Smith trying to cover any receivers, I think we should be we should be okay. 
Joe Barry's got – we all talk about players and what the players are going to be and rookies and how they're going to fit in and have all these conversations. We probably should do a show before we have a lot of football to talk about and we can't fit it in anymore. We probably should talk about Joe Barry and what mm-hmm. what the expectations are there. Now, that's going to require some deep dive and digging and and looking into what he's done in the past. And he's got kind of a checkered past with where he's been before. Uh, Mark, you saw a little bit up and close when he was in, with Washington – so I don't know what it's going to look like with Green Bay. I just hope that he's utilizing the combinations as effectively. It kind of goes back to your last question about Kenny Clark. Just I don't. It does, to me, the snap count doesn't matter. Just put the best eleven guys out there and let them eat, and let them get after the quarterback and cover and, and do whatever it is that they do. And they've got you know, Mark. I'm I'm with you too. I get more excited every time we do these shows. I think about the defense specifically. I think I take the offense for granted because of how it's structured and how well that they how well they do. But the defense is what's really got me excited because I think that's going to be the key this season to, and especially starting hot, is catch some of those interceptions, get some of those turnovers early, make it difficult on other teams. Don't let them dictate what's going on. Don't let the same things continue to 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 get them. The swing routes, the you know the the toss runs where the the running backs get to the edge. You got Dalvin Cook twice a year, like all those things. I think the defense is going to be primed to do really well, but Rashawn Gary, it's because of the ascension of some of these young guys, draft and develop. Jair, Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, and then you throw in the veterans like Zadarius, Kenny Clark have been there for a while. This defense is, is I get more excited the more that we talk about it. So, I guess my, my answer is, I don't care, put the best guys out there, but I hope I hope that Rashawn Gary surprises us and becomes that guy. I think one differentiator too could be uh, Gary at least last year, and I know Smith was had a down year, but he showed that he was a much better defender against the run. So maybe he's the guy who's out there on the early downs. Um, just something to keep our eyes on. So let's bounce back to the cornerback position. We know CB two is a battle, but we're also wondering who's going to be that star slot nickel, whatever whatever buzzword you like to use. Um, so Jerry Gray, the defensive backs coach during OTAs or mini camp said that right now there's four or five guys that they're looking at for that position. He said by the end of preseason, they hope to be down to one or two. So Jason, the question is, who do you think might be that one or two for high school? Wow. I said that really weird. That first or second guy that they lean on early on in the season in the slot. So earlier I kind of hedged a little bit because I said, who's going to be outside if they move Jair inside? So are they going to do that? Because I have to have to wonder if there isn't some tinkering going on there where you want Jair matched up against the whoever the ace is because if the other team is smart, they're going to move that guy around. Devontae Adams doesn't just line up outside. He moves around so he can get a favorable matchup and he can burn whoever it is that's covering him. Now, he can burn pretty much anybody. If he's covered in a phone booth, he gets open, all those cliches. But... I I guess I kind of go back to our the first question and, and if Kevin King is your starter outside unless unless Stokes really lights it up in camp and again I just don't know that it happens right away I, I think it's still Chandon Sullivan to start the season and I'm not upset about it I think that I'd like to see them I'd like to see him in more of a dime role because his speed just isn't isn't great and I want to get Stokes on the field because that speed is so helpful especially and when you're in these big playoff games and you're playing against elite talent and speed tends to be very prevalent in the playoffs. So I I think it's chanted to start 
but I, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of movement. I don't I don't think you're going to put Jair like they did with Richard Sherman back in the, the Legion of Boom days in Seattle, where he was always on the left side. And that was it. He just stayed there and it didn't matter where anybody else went. So I think it's chanted to start. But then it then it gets interesting because if Stokes gets on the field, you know, and, and maybe a question to bounce back to you guys is. Is Stokes is is he a more prototypical outside guy or is he more of a slot guy? What you know, if he gets on the field, what's his best chance to get on the field? Is it outside or is it inside? Mark, what am I answering first? <laughs> Answer Jason. Um, Stokes, as the president of the Eric Stokes fan club, <laughs> let me start by saying that boy could play anywhere he wants. Uh-huh. Okay, mm-hmm. he can play inside, outside. He'll, he'll, he'll take the guy whoever he's covering isn't going to catch any passes. All right, so just match him up against whoever you want, and that guy's going to want to go home. So that's what, that's how we feel over here at the Stokes fan club. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, I think I think Stokes' best position is outside, but I think he can. I think he can certainly play inside if he if he has to. But to answer the original question, I think Darnell Savage is going to be the star. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think he was really good there. Yeah, I mean he showed he showed last year some of the things he can do in coverage. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I said about the defensive line. About the you want your best players on the field, and you want your best players in positions where they can make plays. Savage has become one of the best players. So, and I, and everyone says, "Well, who's going to play safety?" Well, you could go. I mean, if, if you have, you know, five D backs out there, whatever, you'll find a way. You can mix and match the t- different guys. But apparently, the the quote unquote star position is an important position in Barry's defense. Now, we haven't seen it. I, you know, I'll be honest. I I saw the Rams maybe twice last year, so I don't know exactly how that works. Um, but Jalen Ramsey did it sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he wants a good player there. So, and nothing against Sullivan, but I don't usually use Sullivan in the word star in the same sentence. So, <laughs> I'm not going to, I don't want to, and, and, and I like Sullivan. He's an undrafted guy that's made the most of his talents, but I don't, I'm, I'm going to be a little leery if, if he's playing that position. Um, I think Alexander maybe, and then you put the other guys outside. That that I wouldn't be upset with that. But I really do think to answer your original question, I think you're going to see Savage in that role more than anybody else. Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I was looking it up on Pro Football Focus. There were a number of uh, stats from the slot, so receptions, you know, uh, average targets per reception, snaps per reception, things like that. And out of both safeties and cornerbacks. In the, when specifically playing the slot, Darnell Savage ranked in the top ten in number in a few of those categories last year. He was really, really good. And I also think we're going to see Jair there more as well. Jalen Ramsey, you know, we're all making the assumption. I think it's a safe one that the what Joe Barry did is going to be similar to what the Rams did last year. And Jalen Ramsey followed the team, the opponent's number one receiver, quite a bit more than what he had in the past. And so, like Jason said, that's going to take you to the slot on occasions. So he went from taking like 70 snaps in the slot in 2019 to almost 200 last year. Jair, I think, was in 30 or 40 range in terms of snaps in the slot. So I think just if he if Barry uses Jair in a similar fashion, which I don't see why he wouldn't. He's uh, terrific, as we all know. Uh, he's going to end up more there as well. 
So I, I think they have terrific options. And you guys keep both going back to the same excellent point, which is put your best players, put your playmakers on the field. And as we saw from Darnell Savage, the closer that man is to the line of scrimmage, the more big plays happen. All right. So next we're going to bounce to linebacker. So we'll switch up this a little bit. I'll give you my thoughts on it. You guys tell me whether I, I, you think I'm on the right track or if I'm just way, way off. So I don't think this isn't breaking news. I don't think this linebacker unit's going to be elite. I don't think it's going to be one of the top units in the league, but I do think that they can be pretty good. Um, I, I like Chris Barnes. I like Kamal Martin, what they bring in upside. If they can take that step forward in year two, that so many successful NFL players make. I, as we all know, I've talked about it on this podcast, even before they signed Devondre Campbell as a big fan of his, he's not spectacular in any one area, but he's durable. He's played 48 games the last four seasons out of 48 games. He's a reliable tackler, uh, solid in coverage. You know, he's not, it's not, like I said, it's not a strength, but it's not a super weakness either for him. He can hold his own. He's capable. And then he's a capable blitzer as well. So I just like that well-roundedness, that experience, that durability that he brings to this young linebacker unit with Chris Barnes, who is steady. Kamal Martin is just a, a big play waiting to happen. And then in this Joe Barry defense, uh, and I know I've referenced it before, but Ross Uglum's article at Cheesehead TV in their draft guide, he made note that the Joe Barry defense does a very, very good job of keeping the linebackers clean, which gives them the opportunity to make more plays. So for those reasons, Joe Barry's defense is more linebacker friendly than what Pettens was. The upside, the potential that Chris Barnes, Kamal Martin has, and then the steadiness, the experience, the well-rounded game of Devondre Campbell. I think that this can be a more productive, maybe I'll say much more productive linebacker unit than what we're used to seeing in Green Bay. Again, not saying they're going to be tops in the league by any means, but I think this can be a much more productive unit than what we've seen in the past. Jason, do you think that's fair to say, or am I reaching? Do I got my green and yellow rose-colored glasses on? <laughs> no. If you if they max out, they can absolutely be really good. I just kind of feel the same way that I did when I mentioned TJ Slayton. And, and that's these aren't rookies, but just I've been burned before thinking that finally the Packers had an inside linebacker. Finally, the Packers <laughs> had inside linebackers, and it just doesn't happen. Campbell seems to be the type of guy that is going to give some veteran presence and and bring some uh, some more talent to the inside linebacker position. But we've also seen guys come in and all of a sudden, for some reason, they just can't carve out a role on defense. So we'll see. I mean, it's that position is one of the more intriguing ones because of how many sub packages the Packers use. And they bring in extra defensive backs, and then you've got the dime, you've, or you've got the linebacker safety combo. Now Raven Green isn't on the roster anymore, so who's going to take on that role? Is that even going to be a role in Joe Barry's defense, or are we going to see more of the inside linebackers? Because if the light bulb goes off for Kamal Martin, he seems like the type that the Packers might not have to reach for a safety linebacker combo. They can actually rely on him on passing downs because he can get the job done. So kind of like a, you know, a Devin White, but not to that level. Devin White's very good, but that's, I think they can be. I think they can, they've got the, they have the players, they have the talent. Chris Barnes, the biggest issue with him is health. I think we have to just go into this season expecting that he's going to play most games, but he's only going to play half the game 
because he's in and out all the time. And that's just some guys just have that luck with regards to injuries and health. But that's another reason why there's just if you look at every area of this defense, even though there's not a lot of experience in this area has let us down before and they've just never really flashed. They still have a lot to be excited about, enough to the point where you're asking the question, Paul. I mean, it was a topic of your your article. Mm-hmm. So there's enough there that if they do max out, it could be a really surprising thing. And we could you know, we could be saying at the end of the season, you know, gosh, remember back in July when we were talking about our biggest, you know, surprises or questions about the Packers and we didn't know how this inside linebacker group was going to look. And all of a sudden they're lighting the world on fire. I guess we'll see. We'll see, but they definitely have it's there's no shortage of talent. And I I think I think health is going to be the biggest key because Martin had some injury issues too. If they mm-hmm. all stay healthy, I think they're going to be big contributors. And if Joe Barry's biggest problem is trying to find ways to get the best eleven guys on the field because he's got fifteen really good eleven guys, as I'll call it, <laughs> then the Packers are going to be in pretty good shape. How about you, Mark? Am I fair or foul with that thought? No, very fair. Um I was ready to, to jump in, and then Jason, in his closing, said what I was going to say. It's it's about health, and mm-hmm. that's why that's why I like the Campbell signing, um, almost as much as as you did, and that he is he's going to play. He doesn't. I mean, you know, and listen, it's football. Anybody can get hurt, but his history tells you he plays all sixteen games, he, and he he you know he's very durable. Um, that's not the case with Martin. And Barnes. I mean, Martin. Um, I like. I love that pick when they made it. Um, I think I wrote a story a year ago saying I thought he would be the the, the most um, productive rookie last year because you knew Love wasn't going to play. You didn't, and you knew Dylan wasn't going to play. You know, um, or not. You know, Dylan wasn't going to play 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 much, mm-hmm. and he did. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I thought the Martin pick was a very good pick, and he fell in the draft. Because of injury issues, you know, mm-hmm. he was hurt in college, uh, and then he got hurt in in camp last year. So I mean, um, he has to stay healthy. He's um, he's the man out there. I mean, he he he, he is. He's he, so he, he, he plays with reckless abandon. He has to kind of tone it down a little bit, I think, just to mm-hmm. kind of he he sometimes almost out of control. Yeah, he's, he's like that. You know, he over over pursued plays and, and and gets himself in trouble a little bit, but but that's a rookie. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Oh, young players do that Darnell a lot. Savage do that quite a bit. His rookie right. year, right? So, yeah, I, I like I like Barnes. I'll be honest. I didn't know much about him at all as an undrafted guy. I mean, they brought him in. I thought he was just okay. You know, he's going to try to make the team play special teams or something. He was a, he was the most pleasant surprise of of the season. Yes, he did. As Jason pointed out, he did have some weird injuries with the broken hand and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when he played, he played well. Yeah. Um, he's the green dot. Yeah. Well, he's the smart. Yeah. He's definitely like the brains of the operation. Um, so yeah, I mean, are they going to be stars? No, no, they're not, you know, but yeah, this might be the best trio of inside linebackers. The Packers have had since, I don't know, take me back to, I don't know, Barnett maybe. Yeah. Barnett and Des Bishop. Yeah, and I guess mm-hmm. AJ Hawk was in that mix too, still, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's been a while since they've had, and like I said, Campbell, Campbell's a, a you know they they signed Kirksey last year, and I, I I'll be honest, I wasn't when they were bringing him in, I'm like, oh, well, that, that's like a backup guy, right? He's not going to be a star. And then 
no, he was a starter. And everybody, and then I talked myself into thinking that he's better than he really was. And he really mm-hmm. was, and he wasn't, he's a backup. Um, I think Campbell's better than, I think Campbell's better than that. And he's not bad in coverage. You know, I know these people do these analytics and, you know, oh, he was, he wasn't good in coverage last year. I talked to writers that covered him last year in Arizona mm-hmm. and even in Atlanta. No, he, Arizona didn't use him properly. Last, like, he can cover a tight end, and and he'll do a great job. Now they start putting him on wide receivers. And, no, that's not what <laughs> right. inside linebackers aren't supposed to cover wide receiver. That's what your corners are for. That's what your nickels are for. That's what even a safety maybe. No, put him on a tight end, and he'll be fine. And that's the Packers have had trouble with tight ends over the years. So I think Campbell will solve a lot of that problem. I think he'll be very very good in coverage against tight ends. Um, and he can blitz a little bit, like you said, too. So, I mean, Joe, I, you know, I envy Joe. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of coordinators in this league that envy Joe Barry having the oh, pass rushers. Cause let's, let's be honest in this, in today's NFL, it's all about, it's all about passing and stopping the pass. Right. I mean, so you want a great quarterback, but you also want great pass rushers. Well, the Packers, Packers have more than most. With the three that we just talked about earlier, throw Kenny Clark in there, throw Kingsley Kiki in there. Now you throw a Campbell maybe coming on an inside blitz. I, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of coordinators that say, man, I, <laughs> I wish I was Joe Barry. I wish I had all that, all, all those pass rushers. So, and then even some of the safeties can blitz. Like you said, Savage Amos, come, mm-hmm. they, they, they come on safety blitzes at times. So, yeah, I, I think inside linebackers, again, if you, you know, if you grade it from the best position on a team to the worst, yeah, they're, they're closer to the worst, but only because the other positions are so darn good. So yeah, this, I'm, I think they're, they're, they're better than they've been. I'll say that. Absolutely. I've, I've, I'm really excited to see Campbell in action. I wrote an article about the Packers signing him before they signed Christian Kirksey. So he's been on my radar. Yeah, I know. And I gotta, so- that's why I, I gave you credit. I mean, you, <laughs> he was, I, I wanted, I, I was hoping for a trade for Jordan Hicks. Um, yep. Mainly because I know Jordan. I, I've dealt with him for years. I, 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 he's a great guy off the field, and I think he's a good player on the field. But this didn't cost him anything. Hicks would have had, they would have had to give up a pick or a player or something. And they got Campbell as a free agent, which I didn't. I didn't realize that he only signed a one-year deal with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Yep, or that avoided, I guess, or something. I don't know, but because I liked him the year before, year prior too, when he was when he was a free agent coming from the Falcons, he was a guy like like you, Paul. I thought that would be, that would have been a good signing. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And it's like anything; it's what your expectations are. My expectation is going to be he's going to come in and be a dominant, you know, one no. of the top linebackers in football. But compared to what the Packers have had in the past, his skill he's set. Better than Or- um, yeah, yeah, he, he's yeah. better than Oren Burks. <laughs> yep, and, he is. And Summers and <laughs> and Kirksey, for that matter. You know. Yep, absolutely. All right, so to our last question, and I understand this can be a tough one. It centers around Joe Barry and the defense. So I'll just leave it open ended. You guys take it where you want to go. The way I phrased it in the article was, what can we expect from the Joe Barry defense? So, Mark, what can we expect? What is success to you? What do you hope to see? What do you think we'll see? You take it wherever you want to go with it. But what are your thoughts on heading into camp the preseason, early on in the regular season, about this Joe Barry defense and expectations, success, whatever you, wherever you want to go with it? I don't, I don't know about the Joe Barry. I, I, I still don't really know what I want to see Joe Barry. But the Green Bay Packers defense, I think, is going to be very good. Um, like I just said a couple minutes ago, I think there's a lot of coordinators who envy 
Joe Barry because of the pass rushers that, that he has. I mean, you have, I mean, Zadarius and, and, and Preston and then Rashawn Gary, that's, that's three guys that could give you double-digit sacks. It wouldn't right. be a, a stretch. I mean, Zadarius, I mean, unless he has it all. I mean, he's gotten them. Every, every year he's been in Green Bay, he's gotten double-digit sacks. Preston showed you that he could. Um, you know, Gary's like, as, as Jason pointed out, might become the best of the three or, you know, be on the field the most of the three. So that's three guys that can give you a lot of sacks. And you got, we talked about the defensive line. I think it's better than most people do. I think, you know, moving Kenny Clark around is going to just cause all kind of havoc on the, on the offensive lines. Um, I expect Kingsley Kiki. He was just starting to come on last year. He had the con- concussion, knocked him out, took him away. You know, he, he didn't play in the, you know, near the end of the year in the playoffs. I think he's going to be, again, not a great player, but a good interior pass rusher. Um, and then we talk, we just talked about the linebackers. I think they're better than they've been. Now you got the secondary. They're starting four, whether it's King or Stokes with Alexander, Amos, and Savage. There might be a better starting four in the league. I don't, I'm not going to say they're the best. There might, I don't, I'd have to look through everything. There aren't many better. There aren't many better because Alexander is a top two or three corner in the league. Um, Savage and Amos are probably the best safety tandem in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that will, depth comes in a little bit. Maybe we, we got to see about the Sullivan and the kid they drafted from App State. Um, his name, I can't, uh, John Charles. Is that it, John Charles? Yeah, Gene Charles, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, but this defense, I'm telling you, I think it could be uh, as good as the Packers defense has been in a long, long time. Maybe, you know, going back to when the last time they won the Super Bowl, that defense was very good. It could be on on that level. It really could. Um, I don't, I, again, I, there's no me. I don't look at it and say, well, they, they really, they're, they're really weak here. Like I said, if inside linebacker is their worst spot, which it probably is, but it's not that bad. It really mm-hmm. isn't. I mean, you have two young guys that might really turn into something and a veteran who's very solid. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i very, very excited and encouraged by what I see of this defense. And and it's a good mix of youth and experience, too, because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no real old guy on it. But but you have a Kenny Clark who's still young because he came out when he was like twelve or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so so he you know he's he's in his whatever year, but he's still very young. I guess who is the oldest guy on the defense? I was gonna How? say I was gonna say Amos or Z. I think are twenty eight. That's young. Yeah. Lowry might be that. How old is Lowry? Is he, he's probably about twenty eight too. I guess right, maybe twenty nine. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I mean, it's a young defense, but it's but it's also got experience. And I think it's just going to, it's, I don't see any downsides. Like, um, like I know JJ Watt was a big talk, but you know, months ago when he was, well, let's be honest. JJ Watt is on the downside of his, his career. He's, he's still maybe good, but he's not what he was. I don't think there's a guy on the Packer defense that you can say is, is on the downside. I mean, they're all just getting better. Even Zadarius, who's, you know, he's had his look at him his last two, two years. He's put up monster numbers since he came to green Bay from, from Baltimore. Um, maybe Preston after last year, you can say is, is slipping, but I think, you know, every, from what I've read and heard, you know, he came in the, in the camp and last year he came to camp out of shape. 
I mean, let's just face it, that's what it was. And it, it, and it played on him during the season. Well, now he's back in great shape again. So, no, I just, I'm, I'm very, very excited about, about Joe Barry's defense. What are your thoughts, Jason? Take this wherever you want. I'm ready to run through a wall. Like I said, I'm, <laughs> the more we talk about this, the more excited I'm getting about this team. And I don't want to get too overly bought in because two straight NFC Championship games, the, the odds are, the statistics will tell you that some sort of a regression is probably coming, which I hope is wrong. But I'm looking at, at a couple things. The first one is the Packers, if you look at just scoring defense last year, they were ranked 13th. So you have a top 15 defense, all right? They were just ahead of the Chicago Bears, by the way, <laughs> with uh, 369 points surrendered. But what I'm also looking at, too, is so for me, success is, and I know that this is uh, lofty, it's a lot to ask, but move up three spots and be top 10. You've got the ascending guys, like Mark said. You've got players who are only should only be getting better and more experienced. Nobody's on the decline yet. And the other thing I'm looking at, too, is with a secondary like the Packers have, they only had 11 interceptions last year. They dropped a lot of balls. And make the joke about defensive backs and why they're not wide receivers, but they've got to get that total, I think, up closer to 20. If they want to be an elite defense. And there were a lot of marginal defenses last year that had 20 plus. So I think if they want to do that, it's going to have to be, you know, it sounds too simple and watered down, but keep the other guys out of the end zone and give the ball back to your offense. And then the Packers are going to be fine because even if they don't have the top offense in the NFL, I don't know if any of you were encouraged by the video of Aaron Rodgers tossing a football to the dudes in the boat, but <laughs> A, he still got the distance, and B, he can still he's still accurate. So uh, when he reports to training camp, which may, by the way, not be on day one, that could be one of your burning questions, Paul, is will he show up on day one? I don't know. But get the ball back to this offense and let them do their thing. So I, that's that's a big thing. Get stingy. You know, get stingy. No, these mental errors just drive me nuts, and I think that has something to do with coaching. I'll be honest with you guys. I don't know a lot about Joe Barry. That's my biggest concern about a, a coordinator who doesn't have a real shining, shining resume. And I know that guys are up and down and hot and cold, and they do well. And you look at Greg Williams, for example, you know, with New Orleans, and then, you know, he turns into what he is, and then he has some not-so-good seasons. That's the thing I'm worried about is can Joe Barry get these guys to buy in and focus so you don't have mental lapses like the end of the first half in the NFC Championship game, which we've harped on a ton. But that's the kind of stuff that drives us nuts. And those are the kind of things that kill the season. So can they get their heads on straight, be committed? Like I said, I want Kenny Clark coming in hungry. I want these guys to understand like if we don't go into Giannis mode, we may, <laughs> we're not going to win a championship. It's a perfect example. Go into Giannis mode every week and go out there and play hard. You're not going to win every game, but you've got to want it. And that's a part of it is being mentally prepared. Take the ball away. Catch the ball for for crying out loud, Darnell Savage. Catch the ball. He, I mean, he's going to be a record-setting safety if he just catches everything that his hands touch. And then the Packers defense is going to be really, really good. Top 10, I think, is a little bit of a lofty expectation. But look, they're already 13th. It's only three spots. So... That actually, leads, that actually leads me into a follow-up question I had for you guys. What, like, 
what is the expectation? Like if we use points per game or I know DVOA is a big one too, as far as just overall performance. But I think we can say that under Mike Patton, this wasn't a bad defense. No, no, yes, they had their, 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 uh, their moments, their lapses. But I think the reason that he was ultimately let go more so than just the Kevin King play was they didn't live up to expectations because Mark, you've hit the nail on the head here. You go through this defense, it is loaded with talent. And I understand, I think we all need to have patience early on because this is a new defensive system. Um, there's going to be, it's going to take some time for these guys with, with everything and getting their feet under a minute. But I think ultimately, whether it's, you know, over the course of the second half of the season or at least in year two and three of the system, with these players, this should be a top 10 defense. So I don't think. Jason, your expectation of them becoming that. And like I said, the timeline, whether it's the second half or whenever, that can be fuzzy because it is a new system. But I don't think that's lofty whatsoever. Well, fine. Then if it's not in the first half, great. Then peak at the end of the season, which is exactly when you Mm -hmm. want to be playing your best football. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it, you know, this certainly has the makings of being, you know, if you want to go by points per game, you know, a top five, top 10 defense. And I think that's what they're shooting for because you go through this defense and, Mark's done it already. They are loaded with talent. Yeah, I, I always go back. I was when I covered the Eagles, and I, I know I always tell an Eagle story, but um, when I covered them for years, I, the, the one coach I, I got close with at the end was Jim Johnson, who was a great defense coordinator. You know, unfortunately passed away way too soon. But um, we used to talk, and you know, you know, people throw stats out all the time. I, I've never been a stat guy. I just I, I watch what I think. You know. Um, and they, they were ranked low in some areas one year, and people were, were, were making a big deal of it. And I remember talking to Jimmy. He's like, I don't care about those stats. He said, here's what I care about. Points, sacks, turnovers. I want to hold the opposition, the, the, off, the imposing offense to 17 points or less every week. I want to get, you know, depending on like how many passes a team throws, he, he had a per- percentage of sacks that he, that he wanted per, per pass play. He says, and I want to win the turnover battle every week. We do that. I don't care how many rushing yards we give up. I don't care how many other things we give up. That, that'd be nothing to me. Points, sacks, turnovers. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> they're, they were already pretty good in points last year. As Jason pointed out, the turnovers have to go up. But, you know, in the, in the game the Packers lost, they did have three interceptions. The defense mm-hmm. did come up with three interceptions against the greatest quarterback of all time. As I was saying, give the ball back to the offense. That's they what did. popped into my head, and I was like, I hope Mark Mark's <laughs> going to keep me honest here. Well, they gave it back to the offense, and um, offense didn't. Down a quarterback didn't do now, guys, I have to tell you, I wa- there was a replay on, and I never watch losses over, especially not playoff losses. But for whatever reason, I don't know why. I just I, I, it was at that point of the game where they had the they had the ball. They're they're in at the goal line. They're in the red zone. I got to be honest with you guys. That play that we we give get on Rodgers for not running, I don't think he would have made it in. There I don't were, know if he would have got to the two or three. I don't even know. I don't know about. I don't know about that, Mark. There were two oh, guys. There were he could have, but there were two guys, and it's like I think if anything, he maybe gets to the five, but that's still closer. He would have gained more than the incomplete pass games. That's correct. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't uh, mustered up the strength to sit down and fully rewatch that one yet. So kudos to you, Jason, for having that. Uh, it was just having, that one stretch. It just toughness. happened to be that one stretch of the game. I did not sit there and watch from the beginning. Oh, gotcha. I, I couldn't. But it just happened to be there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this again because I want to know in my, you know, if I can reconcile it in my mind that I, I thought that he had a better chance to run, but he really didn't. And it did. It looked like there were two guys there. It was like he, he a couple of yards, maybe. But you're right, Mark. It was two. One or two is more than zero. Right. And, it, and he threw a terrible pass. It wasn't a good like he threw a great pass and it got. In the yeah, he was trying to throw it to Shaquille O'Neal. He threw, threw it way too high. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean. Getting back to the, I don't want to. We'll talk about the quarterback another day. Um, but no, the defense, the deep. You know, people blame the deep. And you, you said they were, they got how many points last year? 369 or something? Is that what it was, Paul? Yeah, 369. Well, I know of at least 14 that came on special teams at two punt returns. Right? So that's, that's not mm-hmm. the defense. Yep, that's, that's a good point. You know, we, we had a thing a couple weeks ago when we when I, we, we asked what, what concerns us the most. I'm telling you, that this, this defense is as good as it's been in a long time. The offense should be, unless they really miss Corey Lindsley. And they're going to miss him because he's a great player. But I think they made moves on the line. The offense is going to be very good. The only thing that the, my only worry is special teams because, I, you know, and I hope it's better. It looks like they, they, they've tried to make it better. But that, to me, is the only flawed aspect of this team. And I don't want to sound like a homer and, you know, I know we're, we're, we're all Packer fans, but we're, I think, you know, I've always tried to be somewhat objective. And I'm being, you know, I'm being objective now. Special teams is the only thing that, that I'm worried about. I think you're absolutely right. In an off season that's long, it's easy to f- focus on what a team doesn't have. And the Green Bay Packers, they have a lot, as we've discussed. That was fun. I, I enjoyed getting your guys' answers and insights into those questions. So let's go around the horn. Mark, what do we got coming up over at Packer Report? Okay, well, up there in the right now, I have a story about the wide receivers. Um you know, I know everybody wanted this guy and that guy, and they should have drafted this. But when you look at this wide receiver room, they have a little bit of everything. And I kind of broke it down, um, just what they do have. And it's it's, not, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, and then coming up next week, I'm going to do um, some training camp battles that, I wanna, that I'm going to be looking forward to, to going on Twitter to see how they're doing. And um, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm going to do a, I have an Aaron Jones uh, story coming, too, on just what he can accomplish in um in 2021 jason perone game on wisconsin is entering year two what's going on yeah and listen mark you you are on twitter you just aren't the refresh guy but you're on twitter you're on there oh, well, i have to be yeah I'm, I'm, i mean I'm, I, got, I got i'll just i'll there. just start tagging you and all the buzz and stuff that i see yeah, on yeah, yeah, oh, hey, I mark, to keep you up to date <laughs> no listen my complaint is i don't i'm not anti well social media we, we could do a show on that too but um it's not that I don't go on Twitter. What I don't do is, I don't. This is what I don't like, and I didn't do it when I wrote. And everybody else, and my, you know, my boss is like, "Why, why don't you do that?" Like, because I don't do that. I don't put up like you know after after a wide receiver made a great catch. I don't put oh so and so made a great catch, and then five minutes later, oh the same guy dropped the pass. I mean, I'll wait till the end of the, the practice to say this guy had his ups and downs. He, he made a great play here, but he dropped one here, and. You know, I don't. I don't think I have to give you this play-by-play on training camp. I and I know some people do, and I'm. That, if they do, that's fine. And other people like to read it. I'll wait to the end of the day to find to, to judge the whole process, not 
every play. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Maybe I, I'm, I know I'm old, and maybe that's just how I think. But I don't need every I don't need a every minute update. I, on the other hand, do need an every minute update. <laughs> okay, Jason. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, and nothing is more challenging. I haven't watched basketball in 10 years. Nothing is more challenging than trying to keep up with that action. I mean, football is one thing when there's 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds between plays. But when it's a constantly moving ball, man, that's that's crazy. Yeah, game on entering our second. No, no, listen. No, game. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm not in a game. Yeah, every play counts. I'm talking training camp practice. None of it really, you know. Hey, Mark, if you try to convince man, all however many people not, sit can I'm fit not. in those stands, no, no, Paul. No. You tell us how many people can fit in the stands at training camp. Uh, it's between two and three thousand. Every single one of them cares a lot, and it's and it the and fun of it. Should. And they should. And they I, should. I mean, I'm saying it tongue in cheek. You're right. It doesn't matter because a lot of these guys aren't going to make the team. But they're right. they, you know the Oneida hero, and they've got to have their Jared Aberderis or their Jake right. Kumaro well, guy. <laughs> and, that's what I'm saying. If Reggie Begelton. Or Begleton, but I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure how to pronounce his name, and I like him. If he has a, if he outplays Devonte Adams on Wednesday, August third, that doesn't mean anything. He's not beating out Devonte Adams for his roster spot. Okay, right. It's not going to happen. Right. So I don't want to hear that. Oh, Devonte Adams had a bad day today. You know, okay, so what? Well, if he does beat Devontae Adams out, that means the Packers have both the number one and the number two wide receiver <laughs> yeah, in the NFL. Sure. Yeah, exactly. All right, so game on Wisconsin, entering our second season in existence here. We're going to be kicking it off on Monday the 19th. So Quick Slants is going to bump to two days a week. It's going to come out on Mondays and Thursdays. I'll be going twice a week with Packers-related content. I'll be kicking it off on Monday, and I'm going to kind of sit back and see what's going on because, as you know, we never know what's going to happen leading up to training camp and what kind of buzz there might be about some other things. So I'll have uh, I'll have a show. You know, quick slants, about 15 to 20 minutes, easy for your drive-in or home from work. Definitely check that out, as well as the great work that the team is going to do over there once we relaunch the site and the written content starts up again. So for me, I got a long-form article discussing the linebacker unit. And then Friday at Cheesehead TV, just call it a brain dump. It's about a 1,000 words on about – 10, 12 different topics uh, that I just had at the top of my head and wanted to discuss because it is the dead time of the season. Also, find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel and let me know if you're going to training camp because I will be there for a number of the days and would like to give you. Guys, anything else? That's it. Go Pack Go, everybody. Be safe as always. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.